0: welcome back to the Connecting Our Stories podcast and happy 2024. You know, here at Stories Foundation, we say that every person has a story and every single story has value. And I know that we all have experienced times in our stories that are harder or messier. And then there are times in our stories that are really beautiful. And that's the same for everyone. And as we Give survivors a space here on this podcast to share their stories. I just want to encourage you to enter in and listen from a place of learning to understand and to see the hard and the beauty in a person's story. Um, today we get to hear from my friend Ren, and we get to hear some of her story. And she is a survivor of trafficking and. Some of the things she will share might be triggering. So I just want you to have compassion with yourself in this space also and be paying attention to how you react to her story. And if you need to take a break or step away, then we just want you to know that's OK, because this is a space where everyone can be valued and uh, in the places where we're at. So as you listen to Ren's story, I hope that you Learn something new about the world and about trauma and about beauty that can come out of painful things. So, here we go. Let's listen to Ren's story. All right. Well, on the Connecting Our Stories podcast today, we have Ren with us. And, Ren, I'm so grateful that you're here and you're going to share some of your story with us today. And I just, we just met a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And because I know the pastor at your church, mm-hmm. and what's really cool about Ren, and I think I'd like to talk about this at the end, but you have a really similar vision mm-hmm. to what we're doing with Storyteller Cafe, which is really encouraging to me, actually. <laughs> that makes me feel like I'm not super crazy, just a little crazy, <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? So, my name
1: is Ren. I'm from southern Minnesota. Um, yep, born and raised in a small conservative Christian town. Mm-hmm. And yeah, with mom, dad, older brother, grandparents, the usual mm-hmm. white picket fence life.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. How do you like being raised in a small
1: town? It has its pluses and its minuses.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, plus, everybody knows everybody. Um, to the point that getting pulled over is usually being asked to babysit. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um, but it also has its minuses where getting pulled over is, oh, don't worry. I will tell your mom. Mm -hmm.
0: So it's, it's good and bad
1: to know everyone. Yeah. And then also down in the small town, it's very Caucasian, very homophobic. Mm -hmm. Not very diverse. No. Yeah. So moving up to the cities was quite eye opening.
0: Yeah. When did you leave the small town?
1: Uh, I went to college in two thousand ten in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and then moved up to the Edina area in two thousand fifteen. Okay.
0: And you like it here in the cities better? Much better. Yeah. 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 It's a little different, huh? Yeah. A lot different.
1: Yeah. And yeah. now that I'm I'm raising two kids of my own, it's like yeah we're not we're not doing the closed. Closed off approach that I had,
0: yeah, it's good to be aware of the world mm-hmm. and yeah understand where different people come from mm-hmm. and how life can be different, yeah, for sure. I know raising kids is interesting, I feel like in this time that we're in, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so when you moved to lacrosse for college, um was that an exciting time for you? Where were you at in your life journey
1: um looking back i wish i would have been more mature mm-hmm. don't we all <laughs> <laughs> um i was in a very messed up place mentally at that time uh thanks to some trauma at my par- at my um words <laughs> yeah. uh trauma at my hometown Kind of messed me up and then it carried through into lacrosse.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm wishing that I had had time to work through that before and I probably would have done better at college then. Mm. But looking back, it also, a lot of the experiences there is what brought me to the vision
0: of the cafe idea that yeah. we found out we both have. Yes, yes. <laughs> Do you want to talk a little bit about your experiences in your hometown and that trauma? Trauma Mm -hmm. just does a number on us. Oh, yeah. And I think at least in my experience as a growing up, even into my young adulthood, I didn't, there was no conversation Mm -mm. about trauma Mm -mm. and whether it's big T trauma, little T trauma, what Mm -hmm. that does to our brain, what it does to our body. So Mm -hmm. we have to give ourselves grace for that Mm -hmm. because we don't know about it. But do you want to talk now about What some of that trauma was that led you to that?
1: Yeah, Um, growing up, like I said, small conservative Christian town. Um, Mom was in every committee known to man, some some known to monkeys, (laughs) uh, which caused her to be very, very appearance oriented. Mm -hmm. So everything had to be just so. Me being the outspoken kind of color outside the lines personality we didn't really see eye to eye a lot which led to a lot of mental and physical and verbal abuse Mm -hmm. so which made a very not comfortable home life for me and then when I was 12 or 13 a close family friend took that um kind of searching lost side of me and turned it into grooming mm-hmm. and taught me that as a female my job was to please men yeah, and that is our sole purpose and to the point of passing me to his friends and other men in the community which led to an actual personality split so since I was 12 or 13 I've been living with what's called disassociative identity disorder or as Hollywood calls it multiple personalities mm-hmm. so having the straight lace goody goody Christian girl and then having this aggressive almost promiscuous side to me that I couldn't control mm-hmm so going through high school with both of those sides and then later on in college having both those sides made it very difficult to focus on school or making healthy and strong relationships with the people around me
0: yeah
1: like When I go back to my hometown now, I have to be careful because I don't know which side people remember. Mm -hmm. Like, my mother will say, why didn't you say hi to that person? And I'm like, because they know the other side. Yeah. And they don't like the other side.
0: Yeah, it's not safe.
1: No. Yeah.
0: So this person that was close to you, they saw your vulnerabilities created from maybe a not extremely healthy home life. Mm -hmm. And they exploited those vulnerabilities, Mm -hmm. and at a very young age, told you, really shaped Mm -hmm. who you thought you were meant to be. Mm -hmm. And this, um,
1: I loosely call him a gentleman, uh, was raised alongside me. He was basically my brother since birth. Is he your same age? He is two years older. And so it was me, my brother, him and his brother were basically all raised together and because our moms were best friends. Mm-hmm. So whenever family functions, the kids would go be pushed off to one room, the adults in the other. And if I were to try to be like, hey, I'm not comfortable over there, try to hang out with the adults. They would just, nope, kids in the other room. Right. Because it's he was family, so
0: right. it couldn't be doing anything wrong. Yeah. So that as a when I put my parent glasses on, that would be a red flag for me. If Mm -hmm. my kid is not wanting to be with the other kids, Mm -hmm. wanting to be with me, that might be a place we lean in Mm -hmm. and ask some questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does your your brother and you said it's him and his brother and you and your brother. And Mm -hmm. then does your brother know? Did he know this was happening?
1: No one else knew at the time. Now. I told my brother about it almost 20 years later. And mm. now he's starting to see things like, yeah. oh, that, yeah, that wasn't right. This wasn't right.
0: And is he younger
1: than you? My older brother. He's older. Yep. Yeah. He's three years older. Yeah. yeah. So You're all
0: kids, though. Yeah.
1: my yeah. Brett was 16. Yeah. I was 12.
0: Yeah. 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 And... I think people don't, well, I know people don't understand DID mm-hmm. and what I've learned and you can help expand on this a little bit if you'd like, is that really DID is our brain protecting mm-hmm. us from the trauma that we're experiencing. Can mm-hmm. you expand on that a little?
1: Yeah, it's our brain literally divides itself to compartmentalize and protect us from a traumatic experience. For example, Wait, what rating is this?
0: <laughs> how, how detailed do I want to get Not super hit? detailed. Okay.
1: For example, when I, I was being attacked by this person, mm-hmm. my brain could not handle the trauma that it was experiencing. So it split and created another persona that could handle it.
0: Yeah. Like a stronger, a strong- more aggressive mm-hmm. kind of protector mm-hmm. persona. Yes. Mm-hmm to get you through yep. because we want to survive. Mm-hmm. Ultimately survival is the goal mm-hmm. of our whole self. Yes. We want to survive. Wow. How long did this exploitation and trafficking go on for?
1: <sighs> the exploitation itself until I moved up to the cities.
0: So until you moved to Edina.
1: Yes. So okay. it was about 12, 13 years.
0: It's a long time.
1: Cause like I said, that, other side of me followed me when I moved to Lacrosse and to Michigan and such. So once I moved up here and finally developed a decent support group, that men- that mentality started to kind of fade a
0: little bit. Yeah. So what did this look like as you moved to new places and you're trying to be in community? And you said once you found a decent support group here, so that means you didn't have how i had my my churchy friends
1: and then i had my bar time friends Mm -hmm.
0: so if i had met you at this time in in your life what what could i have looked for that would have given me a clue you needed help and how could i have helped you like if i was one of your churchy friends that's where you would have found me (laughs) (laughs) um and could I have helped you? Were you in a position to be helped
1: without the proper training? No,
0: right?
1: Because back then they thought it was just bipolar. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Oh, you have PTSD and bipolar. You have two different." Ends but what did they say you had PTSD from? Finally, they, f- the gentleman that we. So were they with.
0: figured out that you had trauma, had yes, trauma. but they didn't understand the extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so
1: they. Because they're like oh you just swing between these two the highs and the lows they didn't realize that there was an actual split there
0: right and that that intense elongated trauma mm-hmm. had created that
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. so what was the difference then in edina in the community or was it in you
1: um it was the acceptance really uh instead of having to well compartmentalize, I was able to just be like this is me. Mm. And that was the start of getting to where I am now.
0: Mm. So is the freedom mm-hmm. to kind of just show up mm-hmm. as your messy self, mm-hmm. which we all are mm-hmm. <laughs> messy. Definitely. Yeah. And to be honest mm-hmm. and authentic. So how did those people create that space? What do you think they did?
1: <laughs> um, it was hiring me at the Renaissance Festival, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. Uh, I had been going a couple times with a good friend, and they, the other side would interact with them, and at one point they said wait you don't work here
0: oh here now you do (laughs) because they saw your how good you'd be yep so
1: they were the other side was hired there so i would show up and so they would um they would call it my loud days and my quiet days and they just accepted that
0: interesting yeah because
1: we didn't know my diagnosis till about 4 years ago.
0: Okay. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, it's just loud and quiet. They're like, okay, this is what she is. Mhm.
0: Did moving to Edina, is was that the break with your trafficker? Mhm. Yeah. I have I've
1: seen him once since then cuz he came to Fest. Mhm. Mhm.
0: And becoming an adult did that give you like more, growing into your adulthood, did that then give you more confidence to break, make that break with him maybe? Or what, what, how did you get, how did you, that break happen? What had to happen for that? I had enough. Yeah.
1: Um. I moved up here when I was 25 and on my 30th birthday, I said, I'm done. I'm I started enforcing this is who I am this is what I what I am and you can take it or leave it yeah I'm not going to bend to fit into the molds that mom or people be- that knew the old me or the trafficker mm-hmm. expected of me hmm Ironically, that's when I found out I was pregnant for the first time.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> so it was perfect timing.
0: Yeah, How oh, that makes me wonder if, like, knowing you're going to be a mom, like if our bodies and our right. minds respond to that, like like cutting that off for the yep. next generation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? But I'm like,
1: I, it's been 30 years. 18 of those have been all sorts of messed up. Right. So I'm like, this is me. I have multiple parts. Mm-hmm. So... I, because
0: of this trauma yep. that did happen to me. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I, so, if I'm in your small town when you're 12, 13, 14, 15, mm-hmm. what are the things I would have seen that should include me in that you were being, you were in trouble, you were being hurt?
1: Not making eye contact. Um, extremely jumpy when people get too close or loud noises. Mm -hmm. Um, For those of, since you can't see me, I am pretty much albino.
0: (laughs) With great angel kisses. That's what we call freckles in my house. (laughs) Yes,
1: yes. I had to explain that to my daughter. It's okay. (laughs) Yes. But I'm very, very white. So, and the trafficker was um, African-American native mix. So when men of color came into my line of vision, I would go into fight
0: mode mm.
1: because I...
0: You had a trauma response.
1: Yeah, I mm. have a PTSD response mm-hmm. because I do did not trust people, men of color,
0: because
1: mm-hmm. that's who hurt me. Mm-hmm. Ironically, that's, uh, I also had responses to other types of men as well from other traumas. Mm-hmm. But if to see someone of color come into my the word i would tense up and either tense up in fight mode or tense up into like fetal mode mm-hmm. which my parents thought was just me being the imaginative kid i was mm. just playing
0: yeah 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 we need to have a greater awareness we just do
1: yeah um to this day my parents are in denial still mm. they refuse to acknowledge my Mental health or any of the physical things caused by mm. the trafficking or the people that trafficked me. Mm. Um, my brother accepts it, but we don't talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Because he feels bad that he.
0: He has like survivor guilt almost. Yeah.
1: Or... He, he's like, I was in the same room when this was happening. I didn't protect my sister, mm. which was huge to him he was my protector growing up
0: right but it was hidden from him
1: he's like i was literally in the room while this was happening and he didn't notice it
0: yeah yeah that's hard mm-hmm. it's really hard hmm. what are you doing now now
1: hopefully helping with stories <laughs> yes helping with stories <laughs> because um I actually, my trafficking past pushed me during the lockdown pandemic to get my bachelor's in human services with hopes of starting my own coffee shop slash shelter Mm
0: -hmm. slash resource center. Yeah, will you tell everyone about your vision and when you got it and tell me all the things? Okay, so originally
1: there was the... Half churchy, half trafficked self in marching band back in high school. Mm -hmm. And the song Runaway Love by Ludacris came out. (laughs) Yes, I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) And I was sitting in Lake City, Minnesota at a band competition when I heard that song. And I just was pulled to become a safe place for people that needed to get away.
0: Mm-hmm. And so that- I just wanna stop you yeah. right there and just say how beautiful that is and in the middle of your trauma that you knew that you wanted to be someone that created safe places for others. Because
1: I didn't have that safe place. Right. When I went to my friends and told them what was going on, they went to their mom who went to my mom who sent me to counseling for lying. Oh,
0: not safe.
1: I. Couldn't tell my grandparents because that would have broke their hearts. And but yeah, yeah, that's just, you don't do that. You but, had
0: no one to tell. No. Did you ever try and tell teacher or any other authority?
1: I told, I wrote in my English journal about my mom abusing me. Teacher read it, gave me an A and did nothing.
0: That's insane to me.
1: Like I had bruises from this e- event. Mm so and he's i got an a on
0: it but no cps no no
1: because my mom was also a teacher yeah and oh no she couldn't have done that
0: yeah
1: but yeah i've been wanting to write a letter to that teacher but that's another story
0: (laughs) (laughs) i support you in that (laughs)
1: but yeah, yeah um hearing that song in high school i just i wanted to be the safe place that i didn't have Mm -hmm. so moving to lacrosse i was the one that i would play my drum on the corner for helping get money for the homeless people i would go to their communes and cook for them Mm -hmm. so i was the weird kid that lived in the dorms and the commune at the same time Mm. um and then coming up here i was all i had People without homes living on my futon a lot Mm. because I wanted to be that safe place. Mm -hmm. And so now then having a kid, you can't really do that
0: anymore. (laughs) It changes things a little, (laughs) little, doesn't
1: it? You got to protect the kid. Uh And there's not as much room. Mm -hmm. So I went on and got um, my bachelor's in human services specializing in or not specializing, focusing in the tent communities that we have up here. So many. And how to get them proper resources and how to raise
0: awareness and end stigma to it. Yeah, can you talk about everything you've learned from all those experiences Mm -hmm. partnered with what you learned in school? Say more. Like you had all these like real life, tangible experiences with people who don't have homes and who Mm -hmm. are vulnerable, Um, help us understand why that happens and what we can do? Um,
1: honestly, there is those that choose chemicals over rent money. Yeah, There are those who have so much on their plate that they lose their some source of income. Mm-hmm. Uh, some that have mental illness that mm-hmm. causes them to not be able to connect A and B Mm -hmm. and then there are those who choose to live on the streets and travel the continent just because they can Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. those ones have the best stories I bet they do (laughs) jumping on railroad trains to travel the continent it is, it's like a Tom and
0: Tom Sawyer
1: or something (laughs) but just when small town me drives past the tent communities, you get this kind of like anxiety that builds up Mm because that's so different. Mm -hmm. But once you get past that anxiety and actually interact, Mm -hmm. you realize, oh, hey, they're just like us. Right,
0: right. That what you just said is like gold, Mm -hmm. that we have fear over things that are unknown. Mm -hmm. But once we cross over our fear and the things that are unknown become known, Mm -hmm. it's, we're just more alike than we mm-hmm. are different it's the humanity that connects us
1: mm-hmm. and that's why i worked i focused on that aspect well that and lgbtq mm-hmm. and just really doing advocacy and awareness for that because they're people mm-hmm. they deserve access to health care mm-hmm. they deserve access to like SNAP and Mm wick and Mm -hmm. assistance. Mm -hmm. Just because they don't live like us Mm -hmm. doesn't mean they shouldn't have the same access.
0: It's true. It's interesting. I was had another interview this morning because we have this event coming up in Mm -hmm. a week about relationships. I know it's going to be so good. Um, And Tony Lloyd, who is one of our speakers, he was explaining justice and righteousness. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that essentially justice and righteousness from a biblical perspective is just treating people with the dignity that they have because they're created in the image of Mm -hmm. God. And I just loved how he just Mm -hmm. summed that right up. (laughs) I was Mm -hmm. like, yes, that is true. That people have dignity because they're people. Mm -hmm. And
1: And when you cross over those, I call them anxiety lines, you'll find more in common with them than different from them. Yeah, cuz for example, someone with mental illnesses or mental disadvantages as I call them, once that becomes known, people kind of yeah, kind of back up from us. Sorry, I just realized you don't can't see my hands. <laughs> she backed herself up. <laughs> <laughs> they tend to back up and like, oh no, how do I act? I don't want to offend, I don't want just the walking on eggshells thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: where I really just say it takes a lot to offend me. I- I've seen a lot worse. Or, yeah, I have the same sense of humor as you, and it it can get kind of weird. <laughs> like my fiance, when I'm when I am able to be sarcastic, he gets very confused. <laughs> He's like, "Wait, what?" I'm like, "Ha, I did it to you this time." <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I'm just. Because of the trafficking and abuse in my past, it's really important to me to be that safe harbor or the vessel that kind of calms the seas for the other people.
0: Yeah. Well, do you want to talk more about your vision?
1: It was going to be called Rosalie's Press. Rosalie is the name given to the other half. It is a reference to Twilight. If anyone's read that book, you'll understand the persona. (laughs) And it was going to be a coffee shop slash cafe where my living caregiver client and my boyfriend who is now my fiance were gonna be the cook and barista. Hmm. And so it would be a full-fledged cafe totally normal, but the plan was if someone was needing help, either trafficking-wise or domestic abuse-wise, they would be able to come to some one of the workers, and we were gonna have like either a card or code word, where the my fiance, who is a very very intimidating looking man, <laughs> <laughs> would bring them into the back where there's resources and like f- a soup kitchen and housing and just a safe place for people to be and just kind of get back on their feet. Yeah, like the coffee shop is a front. Yep.
0: Era means mm-hmm.
1: to provide support. It would be the income to support what was going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And also, if heaven forbid the cause of the pain followed the person mm-hmm. or found out the person was there, they would have to get through an actual bouncer. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Between the bouncer and the jujitsu master that would be working <laughs> in the front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'd have to get past two very intimidating gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we'd be very good friends with the law enforcement yes. and yeah. all that. But yeah. just basically a safe place that really doesn't look like a shelter on the outside.
0: Yeah. Well, you're speaking my language, as you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's Yes. I wonder why. And why I wonder why coffee shop do you have any I do you have any thoughts on that because I think people think um I don't know I I think people think it's unique right and yet I've heard like you're not the first person that said this whole like have a coffee shop do good with it and obviously it's what I've been trying to do for 11 Mm -hmm. years and it's Mm -hmm. what you want to do do you have any like thoughts on theories uh, first, I'm going to do
1: a shout out to Avent Garden. Yes. Because they embody the vibe I would want. Mm-hmm. Just it's not all like chandeliers and linen cl- tablecloths. It's, it's like homey. It's homey. It's You mm-hmm. go in there and you feel welcomed and you mm-hmm. feel, well, obviously warm because of the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just you go in there and you are friends with the people. Yep. It's just very homey and comforting and cozy. And instead of, say, McDonald's where everything is plastic.
0: Yes. (laughs) Nobody wants to hang out at McDonald's for very long.
1: (laughs) Other than my daughter, she likes
0: it. That's true. Okay. That's the highlight of her week. Nobody over 10.
1: (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But yeah, it's just the feel of you go there and you feel like you belong.
0: Yes i think that's it mm-hmm. i joke i i'm i never watched cheers really yep. i'm too actually young for that but <gasps> i know <laughs> how dare you say i just it wasn't my you know that's <laughs> not my generation nope. however nope. that whole idea of going where everybody knows your name yep and and feeling like you can just show up as yourself mm-hmm. and you know not beer obviously but coffee get a mm-hmm. cup of coffee and a bowl of soup or mm-hmm. and just feel like that hug i think yeah that's what i envision
1: like like I said, being that safe place for people
0: that yeah. need it, creating an actual tangible safe mm-hmm. place, yeah, so, um, you're talking about your dream in the past, what happened? You wanted to do it in Lacrosse. You had told me,
1: yep because um that's putting it in Wasika seemed too raw to me, like too close to home. Sorry, I just name dropped <laughs> okay um, uh. Putting in my hometown would be too raw because family's still there. The trafficker's family is still there. And thankfully he's in a different town. But mm. <laughs> but that's just too raw, too close to home where I was at that point. La Crosse was um, also where a lot of the trafficking and... Uh, I guess abuse and assaults happened. I actually, my hip was actually dislocated in one of those assaults. Mm. That's another whole fun story. Mm. (laughs) But there was a lot of personal pain and anger and kind of needing to make up for the things there. So I wanted to build that safe place there for other college kids
0: yeah, like redemption yeah
1: yeah and now there's a very very large homeless community in lacrosse mm. so well maybe
0: maybe yeah. maybe we'll be back yeah. maybe we'll go back to lacrosse in the yeah. future
1: right now the church that i was going to out there is making a shelter mm, with showers that. and a soup kitchen that's beautiful i so, love that so they they took my idea and they're kind of building on it. I like it. So that's that's fun to know about. It is. It's encouraging. But now I have, like I said, I have two kids.
0: And where do you work? What city? I work in Ramsey. <gasps> yes, that's you know that's where we're building our cafe. All of you people. <laughs> yes,
1: I work in Ramsey now. Yes, but it's not a coincidence. Living in Andover with my two kids and my yes. fiance. But because of physical limitations that have developed due to trauma in the past, I had to give up working in the physical field, and now I am the community life coordinator at a church out in St. Francis Ramsey area. Mm -hmm. Lots of words. Basically, I am the one that connects all the different pieces and coordinates how to put it together into the thread that is our congregation. Hmm. Like working with the youth group, working with Sunday school, working with facilities, pretty much any little snippet that I can kind of weave in. That's my thing.
0: Mm -hmm. I like it. I bet you're really good at that. It helps with my control issues. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're being refined as... We all are. Yes, yes. I, I get. I get
1: to. I get to be parts of everything instead of just one thing. So that helps.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like you can see a lot of redemption and restoration in your story? Maybe especially in the last couple of years.
1: <laughs> Sorry, inside joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I have a lot of events in my life that I have if it wasn't for the trauma i never would have done Hmm. i spent multiple years being living with a homosexual man Hmm. and caring for him and his mental health issues because that was kind of me paying back for what the other half did Hmm. because hearing what because now, hearing things that the other half did mm. with my face, mm-hmm. um, I've <laughs> lots of shame and guilt attached, mm-hmm. so I
0: wanted to kind of pay back. Like, give back. But With DID, do you not remember often what the other personality does? Is that true?
1: Up until my... Okay. Zero to 12, there's me... And what I thought were my two imaginary friends, Mm -hmm. which now my counselor has shown me was two partial splits that were created to appease mom. Right. Right. One was named Radar, and he was hyper vigilant and analyzed everything for possible errors, possible anything that could make mom mad. Right.
0: Right.
1: One was Sophia. Think prim mm-hmm. proper Victorian age, like don't speak unless spoken to, girl. Mm-hmm. So there's me and those two. Partial and they sp-
0: protected you in that t- time of your mm-hmm. life when your mom was abusive.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. and then I twelve and thirteen. The first major split happened, creating Rosalie, the aggressive side. Mm-hmm. So. At that point, I wasn't able to know what Rosalie was doing when I was out. But now I get to hear stories about things that she's done and Mm -hmm. people that are actually afraid of her Mm -hmm. because of what she's done. Mm -hmm. And so there's been a lot of shame and guilt involved in that. So that's why I brought this um, untreated man with homosexuality and mental health issues and basically became his caregiver. Mm -hmm. For those of you that might know me, you you would think that he was my fiance slash husband Mm -hmm. because.
0: Because of what you gave to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: In order to protect him from his family, I actually, I agreed to become his legally wedded wife. Mm Hmm. Which, to me, we were just going to sign the paperwork Mm -hmm. until our moms found out. Mm -hmm. And then it blew up to this big white wedding. Wow. So, going from caregiver to socially married, Mm -hmm. that actually created another split. Mm -hmm. Because giving so much into someone else like that mm-hmm. it just it caused this it was unequal yeah yeah and but when I became pregnant with my first kid and his mental health was trying to tell him it was his kid mm-hmm. and so that was not healthy for my kids so I had mm-hmm.
0: to separate separate from that mm-hmm. which there most people you know we all could work on our relationship skills couldn't mm-hmm. we we could all be
1: better, yeah. <laughs> Healthy, so healthier. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So socially, I am divorced and have two kids out of wedlock.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But that throughout that whole time, I had my boyfriend, who is now my fiance, mm-hmm. and he has accepted the splits. Mm-hmm. He has dealt with the mood swings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he has. He's a safe place for
0: you he, every day.
1: He is the one that has brought me to the church I work at mm. and brought me to the supporting. I actually have female friends now. Mm. <laughs> mm. That is shocking because they used to not like Rosalie. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. But he accepts the splits. He accepts the fact I was legally married when we were dating mm. and
0: just kind of rolls with it. Mm-hmm. And that is huge. Yeah. You know, every person has a story and every mm-hmm. story is different and unique and there's a lot of nuance mm-hmm. to our stories. And I think by you sharing your story, it will help people understand that. When we mm-hmm. see people, we we literally can't judge people mm-hmm. <laughs> by what we see. We have to get to know them and get to know their story mm-hmm. else we won't really understand and we won't be able to be in community and yep be connected
1: if you look at me i look at like one of those hipster kids Mm. i have bluish purple hair and usually wearing black baggy clothes you look at my um resume oh she's a caregiver she's a churchy you talk to my friends that's another story (laughs) uh you look at the doctor's paperwork i probably should be in a group home Mm it's all about what side you're looking at mm-hmm. and and like i said before once you get past the anxiety and worry you'll realize that the person you're interacting with is just like you has mm-hmm. the same needs has the same goals and same just kind of the same drive everyone wants their selves and their family to be happy and healthy yeah. They want to pro- be provided for or provide for the others. want to others. be loved, have yep.
0: belonging,
1: it's, have purpose. I, I think there's a triangle there involved there. There is, Maslow's
0: there. Hierarchy of Human yes. Needs. <laughs> like,
1: like psychology. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we, yeah. we all have that same needs. Mm-hmm. It's just the ability to fulfill them and having the strength to get to the fulfillment. Yeah. Because... In the trafficking world, you don't go against the trafficker to get the fulfillment and belonging that you need. You have to rely on them to
0: hmm.
1: provide that or not provide that in some okay. cases. That's
0: the promise, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
1: That they will provide that. And then your purpose is blank right according they will tell you what it is mm-hmm. or in an abusive relationship you do everything you can to feel fulfillment and belonging and that's what you crave right and that's what you keep working towards working towards but you don't get right, right. so that's why i want to be that safe place and that's why i want to get involved with stories because having that awareness out there and having that open door policy
0: is huge to me. Yeah. It makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. It made the difference for you. Yeah. And it can make the difference for others. Mm -hmm. We need to be about that. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Ren. I'm so grateful. It's, it really matters. And, Mm Uh, My hope and my prayer is that as people listen, they have a greater awareness of the people around them Mm -hmm. and that we act on that awareness, Mm -hmm. that we create safe spaces and that we speak up when we see something's wrong. There's too much anger in the world right now. Well, that's the truth. So
1: uh, like I told my daughter this morning, as I was putting a self-care sticker on my van, (laughs) my van's covered in stickers right now, but um, I'm like, This one here, the tolerance sticker, means we are to be nice to everyone. Mm -hmm. The coexist sticker that has um, Doctor Who, Lightning Bolt, all the nerd stuff, says everyone's different. Mm -hmm. This one says caring for yourself is important. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's important to be nice to people. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I'm nice. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, unless you take away your toy. (laughs) like
0: yep we're working on that yeah and there are some adults that are still working on (laughs) that too but yeah it's a great conversation Mm -hmm. i'm so thankful anything else before we sign off that you want the people to know no just
1: put yourself in other people's shoes before you
0: make a point of view of them is all i ask I think that is a great way to end. And it sounds like something we've been hearing our whole lives, yet we have to put it into practice. It's a daily practice, yes. Daily practice. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for choosing to join us on the Connecting Our Stories podcast. I'm very grateful that you choose to be here, to share story with us, to learn and engage And thanks for listening to Run Story today. If you have any questions or if you want to learn more about human trafficking or the things that we talked about, please reach out to us at hello at storiesfoundation.org. We would love to connect with you and we would love to point you to more resources or talk about how we could do an awareness event for those in your community. Your story matters and we're so glad you're here.